Hello and welcome to today's edition of Family Life Today, hosted by Dave and Ann Wilson with Bob Lapine. Family Life Today is presented by Power to Change, known in the US as Family Life. We hope the program will encourage you in your most important relationships. All right, let's talk about the last time you experienced, like, real anxiety. Uh, this morning. This morning? <laughs> that wasn't anxiety. That was anger. It was both, actually. I'll go ahead and tell them. You have not been feeling well. And so I was going to bed last night knowing you're sick. And I have this water beside the sink because I take my vitamins every night. So I take the water and I think, if Dave wakes up in the middle of the night, he's going to drink my water. And then I'm going to get sick if he drinks from my glass. So I take my cup. It has ice and water in it. And I put it in the closet. So next morning, I'm drinking out of that cup. I take my vitamins again. I'm walking around the house with the cup. And Dave says to me, that's not your cup, is it? I'm like, <laughs> what do you mean? It's always my cup. Yeah. He goes, oh, well, I drank out of it last night. I'm like, it was in the closet. Yeah, why I wondered why it was in the closet. Like, where's her cup? Oh, it's in the closet. I drank my, I took my NyQuil. And then why wouldn't you tell me, hey, don't, I drank from your cup? I did think, why is this cup in a closet with ice? I thought you put it there for me. It's like, how considerate of my wife to put a little glass of water. I don't, need, I don't even understand. Anyway, but... we're bringing all this up because <laughs> we've got a guest in the studio today. Jamie Grace is with us at Family Life Today. Welcome to Family Life Today, Jamie. I'm now, like, convinced that that is the perfect, like, lifetime movie intro. <laughs> <laughs> Jamie's written a book called Finding Quiet, My Journey to Peace in an Anxious World. That's why I brought up this anxiety thing. It's like <laughs> Jamie's written this crazy great book about, uh, you know, finding peace in the middle of anxiety. But, thank you, thank and I know you. a lot of our listeners know who you are, Jamie, but I did not know. Two-time Grammy-nominated songwriter, singer, <laughs> actress. You've got it all going on. Yeah, you have your own podcast. What's the podcast called? It's called the Jamie Grace Podcast. Really original. I like to take my name podcast at the end I'm of I'm going to start listening. I bet you are really fun. But what you've written about, man, it's something we all, a lot of us face and we deal mm-hmm. with, especially yeah. in the day and age with your subtitle, My Journey to peace in an anxious world. Yeah. And so when I talk to you, I'm like, you're so positive, you're really upbeat, you're really fun, but this is something that you've really struggled with and dealt with. So take us back. We want to hear your story. Yes, ma'am, take ma'am. us back into where did this all start? Yeah. It's definitely, you know, a journey, you know, as you said, and as it kind of mentioned in the book, and I, I get quite frustrated that it's a journey at times. You know, I'm I'm a very uh, pro-therapy person, and I was literally, I was talking with, with my therapist last week. She's so cool. And we were just, we were talking, and I mentioned something, and she was like, oh, well, I think this could be, you know, you might be worried about X, Y, Z. And I looked at her, and I was like, oh, no, I've already, I've already dealt with that. <laughs> like, <laughs> I dealt with that, like, five years ago in therapy, yeah. so I'm good. And we, she and I just kind of got in this kind of, like, almost comical conversation about just, like, sometimes we forget that it is a journey. Yeah. And we forget that sometimes we might have this anxiety about something, and then we feel better about it. And it's like, okay, I don't have to deal with that anymore. But then something comes up, and all of a sudden we're thinking about that anxiety again. Mm. And that started for me as a kid. I was nine years old when um, my anxiety first started. It was just this feeling of 
being worried, but it was a, a worry that I couldn't get rid of. And it was a stress that I couldn't get rid of. I am a pastor's kid. My mom and dad started our church when I was about two years old. So we always call it the middle child because there's my sister. And then two years later was me. Then two years later was the church. Um, That's so, so true. Sorry, yeah, I was the youngest child. I'm not like I'm the middle child as opposed to the youngest. Yeah. <laughs> and so I just, I grew up in church and I had even at nine years old, I had a very significant, like, confidence in Jesus. and like. Well, I love you. Start your book. You say, when I was seven, I yeah. made a decision to love Jesus for the rest of my life. Yeah. And when I was 11, I was diagnosed with anxiety. Yeah. It was this thing where it's like, I mean, every 11-year-old, every 40-year-old, every 70-year-old deals with worry and stress. But to be sitting there and find out, like, well, no, like, this is an anxiety disorder was so much more frustrating than I could have prepared myself for because as a follower of Jesus you kind of at least as a kid just the practicality of like oh you pray for something and God helps you with it or oh you need something and the Bible gives you the tools to deal with it or you know and that's just kind of how it works <laughs> you know and so having a generalized anxiety disorder is is like literally being almost like given this like past to like, oh, no, you're going to be panicking about stuff a lot. This has crossed the threshold of an everyday awkward and has moved into like, no, we can actually show you like a chemical imbalance in your brain and worry is a, unfortunately a part of your everyday Yeah, what life. did it look like? You say worry. So, I mean, it, it would be, you know, from my mom would say something like, okay, like, you know, so we're homeschooled, right? So my mom would be like, okay, so we're going to um, hop in the car and we're going to do a field trip today. We're going to, I don't know, go to a museum and, and learn about XYZ. And within 30 seconds, like my mind had already process these statistics that can happen of car accidents in the car and process like, okay, well, what could happen if we get to the museum and I can't remember everything that I learned? Like, am I not smart enough? Am I not good enough? Like, oh, am I homeschooled because I can't go to regular school like everybody mm. else because I don't have any friends? Oh, nobody likes me. Wow. Oh, my dad's not here because my dad's at work. Oh, because we don't have a lot of money, even though my dad works a whole lot and my dad can never really work enough to really take care of the family. But that's not nice to say because dad works really hard. Like within 30, 60 seconds, like every possible dramatic and awful scenario would just start mentally taking a toll on yeah. me. The, the way you just said that, it felt like we were in your head. Yeah. It felt like that noise. <laughs> is that the noise you're talking about? All day. It's all day. And, it, it, I've, you know, I'm almost 30 now. I'm very grown and wise. And so I've learned some really helpful tools to help silence that noise. But it's a conscious choice to fight that noise. It's a conscious choice to allow that quiet to happen. But I think even though I have like generalized anxiety disorder, I think, oh, I know for a fact that even though people, even people without it have anxiety and have worry and have fear, you know, and we have to consciously choose to like trust in the Lord that the anxiety that's happening in our mind is oftentimes a liar, you know, mm. and like, and trust like the quiet that we are having a hard time procuring is the very thing that we need. So it's, it's a lot of active, <laughs> active reacting on a daily basis for me to combat the anxiety that happens naturally. And then, you know, in, in addition to that, I was at 11, I was diagnosed with a tick disorder called Tourette syndrome, which is a movement disorder causing uncontrollable movements and sounds called tics. Um, and then also obsessive compulsive disorder, OCD, which is uh, similar to anxiety, but basically 
causes more actions than thoughts. So like repetitive counting of something or tapping or moving uh, repetitive, like pursuing of textures. Like if I see like a texture, like I I need to feel like, oh, I need to go figure out what that is. <laughs> or like a texture that I just like cannot touch. <laughs> I'm like, I, if, if that blanket comes near me, I'll, I, I will probably cry. Um, and then also um, ADHD, which is attention deficit hyperactivity disorder, which really just affected <laughs> all the other. And it's just, it's a lot, you know, it's, that a, is a, it's, lot. it's a lot. And I was, I was 11 and sometimes I look back and I'm like, kid, <laughs> like, were you okay? Yeah. <laughs> like, well, I'm thinking of our listeners that have kids that maybe have had some of those diagnoses, you yeah. know, or maybe they're dealing with anxiety and depression. Yeah. And yet, and to look at you on the outside, I would never know any of that. And, <laughs> yeah. and plus, you're super successful. You're doing a ton and you're young. So as 11, here you are. You've had this, I mean, crazy diagnosis with yeah. a lot of different things. Then what? The first thing was relief. My symptoms really were at their heaviest when I was nine. Um, well, between nine and 15, but the onset of them was like nine years old when the ticks were really bad. I was constantly squeezing my hands, my feet. I had some of, some of my ticks were um, oftentimes injuring myself. So like I would be in the car and hitting my head on like the window. The way that my legs and arms would flail would oftentimes... I would hit myself or hit myself in the stomach. And again, these things are all uncontrollable. It's just the way that if you're nerdy like me and you're like, oh, how does this happen? You know, the neurons in my brain that are supposed to signal to do things, there's a little mix up in the wiring. Um, you know, we live in an imperfect world. These things happen, unfortunately. And so the main thing was that was like my tics. And so getting that diagnosis was such a relief because it felt like, oh, there's a word, you know, there's an understanding. There's a reason. Yeah, exactly. I, you know, like a lot of other kids, I mean, statistically, this is just much more, but like, you know, I dealt with things like asthma as a kid, which is pretty common, you know. I had like an inhaler just in case I needed it. It wasn't too bad by the time I was in like middle school. So getting my diagnosis of everything else was kind of exciting because in my head, I was like, oh, I'm going to get. I guess like an inhaler for Tourette. Like, I don't know. Like, I had never heard these words before, but I assumed they'd give me some medication. But my relief, I mean, it, it dissipated so quickly because I just remember, you know, my neurologist sitting there and saying to my mom, like, hey, just so you know, like, there's no cure for any of this stuff. Mm -hmm. There's not even medication for it. There are medications that we can try, but nothing nothing is for sure going to work and then even the medications you were on were that was rough they were horrible I feel so much for parents that are still going through this today with their children because now don't get me wrong there have been there's been so much research and studies and we've grown so much in the medical community and I'm so grateful for all the people that have put in the work but I mean if you are a parent of a child dealing with illness, that's a full-time job. And I'm so grateful for my parents because they fought for me relentlessly. Just like I would try one medication and it would have me, you know, dealing with things like hallucinations and or sleeping just like day after day after day or not sleeping at all or just complete loss of my personality. Like I was on a heart monitor at one time because one of the medications was affecting my heart and the payoff just wasn't worth it. You know, the benefits of the medication rather, it just wasn't worth it. So, um, I mean, it was, it was miserable. Like it, 
it's tough because like you said, you know, like if a lot of times when people meet me or if they see me, like nine times out of ten, my hair is purple or pink. Like there's always something. It's a little both like, right now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So cool. <laughs> yeah, it's always, thank you. It's always elaborate. There's always something going on. And I think, I, I think sometimes I'm kind of like overcompensating for like that childhood like situation that I went through because it was horrendous. Mm. You know, this five to seven year gap in my life where I was just, I was miserable. I was, it was awful. I was, I was very depressed. Tell us about your mom that was fighting for you and even your dad. Yeah, I'd love to know, you know, did they ever lose it? Were they always patient? I'm just thinking if I'm in the car and my son is banging his head on the window, there might have been times where I'm like, can you just stop that? But obviously it's a medical condition. Or as a mom, I'm crying. I'm thinking, Lord, what are we going to do? I don't know how they did it. Mm. I don't I don't know how they do it now. I mean, I still have stuff. Just think about the very stereotypical dynamic of, you know, the youngest child that's, you know, married and with their first child. You know what I mean? Just like the dynamic of me being like, Mom, you know, like I'm annoying. Like I'm I'm a millennial. Where We're did all that, that mess. voice come from? That was pretty interesting. <laughs> really like my voice. natural tone. Oh, okay. Um, <laughs> <laughs> and we forgot to mention you're married. You've been married for how many years? Uh three and a half years. And yeah. you have a, a two-year-old, two yeah. yeah. So your parents so, are watching right now, right? Yes, praise the Lord. <laughs> but, yeah, it's like I don't know how. Like, my parents are even still, like, so gracious and so patient with me. And, I mean, that's just the Lord, honestly. But my mom, I struggle to call her a stay-at-home mom because I think she was, like, a work-on-demand homeschool mom because we didn't really grow up with a lot of money. So my mom was like, a, I'm going to start a cookie business real quick. So, like, kind of like that, you know. But she also homeschooled us. Um, and so... She is the literal person that took the literal paperwork to my neurologist and said, it's called Tourette syndrome, and my child has it. I dare you to challenge me. And they they looked at it, and they were like, oh, you're right. Mm. And she never stopped fighting for me, and she still does, you know. You're a mom with a two-year-old, and we have it's that mama bear thing in us. Yeah. Well, I mean, it sounds like, again, I don't know your mom, sounds like she was extremely firm. Mm-hmm. And went after what she needed to get, but also tender and gentle with you. Is that true? Oh, yeah, for sure. I can't remember one time that that she did not, you know, extend me the grace that I needed, really. Uh, she's also a very comical and real like person very much a realist as well you know don't get me wrong like I remember once I was like 12 and there was something that I was like really obsessing over like OCD wise and I was like well it has to be this way it has to be that way and she like and for context I was super nerdy so I was 12 I was already in ninth grade and so I was like planning for college and stuff my mom sat me down and she was like hey let's talk about this real quick she was like in this house you can be who you need to be you can do what you need to do, but I want you to understand something. The world is not going to give you the grace that I'm going to give you. Mm. So she was like, I'm never going to tell you not to have OCD because that that's not how it works. But you have to be mindful that if college is something you want, if moving out of the state by yourself is something you want, I just need you to be mindful. The world is not like set up for little black girls with mental health issues. So whatever that means, you need me to go with you. You need to stay with me. You need to stay with me and dad, like what, whatever it is. And so I always appreciated how real she was yeah. with me. You know, she definitely wasn't one of those moms that was like, just be yourself, baby. The world will deal with it because that's not practical. I like that she was like, 
you be who you need to be and you do what you got to do and understanding that the world will never give you the kind of anything that you might feel that you deserve or need. Did that give you the confidence you needed to, to become who you are? I think so. It helped me feel so comfortable with being different. Hmm. You know, I think so often, even now as a society, we always want to talk about like, oh, we got to like come together and talk about all the things that make us the same. And yeah, that's a beautiful, important thing. But I also like to embrace what makes me different. I, you know, I also, I wasn't born to fit in with everybody else. I wasn't made to be like everybody else. And so when I went to college, it taught me how to be an advocate for myself Hmm. as opposed to, well, I have mental health stuff. I have severe anxiety. They better adapt to me. It taught me like, no, I need to learn how to become an advocate for myself. Whatever full-time job I have, I'm also going to have to become a full-time volunteer advocate for me and my mental health. And it, yeah, it gave me a lot of confidence, but like also it reminded me, like, I also still call my mommy if I need her. Cause yes, yeah, sometimes I do. Yeah. <laughs> like a couple of weeks ago, I called her. I was like, um, mom, I have a doctor's appointment and I'm, I'm not sure what to say about, um, a medicine that I need for my, um, some arm pain. So mm-hmm. <laughs> she like told me what to say. I was like, yes. <laughs> That's awesome. Well, I'm sitting there. I'm thinking about Philippians 419 and you even quote this verse in your book where it says, my God will meet all of your needs all of your needs according to the riches of his glory in Christ Jesus. And I listen to you and I think you're this little girl who was born. Like God wasn't surprised mm-hmm. at your diagnosis and he wasn't surprised. I'm thinking of Psalm 139 where it says he knit us together in our mother's womb. Yeah. And he's looking at you and he's celebrating. Mm. Look at my daughter. Mm. She has so many gifts. She has so many talents. And yes, she's got some things. I know about those. I'm not surprised by those. And yet I'm going to use her. I think that's such a good reminder for all of us. Mm. Because sometimes we can look at our brokenness. We can look at our diagnosis. We can look at our kids and we can think, Lord, do you see what's happening? And he goes, yeah, I see your girl. Mm. I see you. And I think it's a really good reminder that God is saying, I'm with you. I'm with you in it. And you've been a great example, and I love hearing the story of you and your mom, that she's fighting for you, and she's speaking truth to you in love and grace, and that's what our Father, God, does for us as well. And in some ways, that's what we get to do as parents. We get to be the voice of God to our kids, Mm. whether they fit in with everybody or they don't. They're looking at us to be the voice that says, this is what Jesus sees and thinks of you. Mm-hmm. Right, exactly. No, I I love that so much. And, you know, especially what you were saying about, like, the Lord just, like, not being surprised. Yeah. You know? Yeah. <laughs> like, it takes me to this incredibly vivid memory. I have, like, a collection of, like, 34 very vivid memories from childhood. It's so random. But uh, <laughs> I have this one. We were waiting for my mom to... I think come out of like an antique mall or something. (laughs) My dad and I were sitting in the minivan. I asked him, can you just tell me if God is so smart, (laughs) like why doesn't he just tell me everything that's going to happen? Or even, even the question that a lot of us ask is, Lord, you could heal me. Yeah, exactly. Why don't you just heal me? Exactly. And I really thought I had it all figured out. I was like, dad, all God has to do (laughs) is just fix it. He was like, tell us everything. And I remember my dad, he looked in the rearview mirror. My dad is so, he's so beautifully poetic and dramatic. He could have turned around, but I feel like he was doing this for dramatic effect. He like looked in the rearview mirror and he was like, 
this is not his voice, but it has to be for the story. He was like, well, if he told us, we would not have a reason to trust him, then would we? I was just like, that makes so much sense. Like, my mind was blown. And then I told him, I was, and he was like, man, I'm, he's like, I'm going to preach that one day. And I just remember telling him, I was like, no, Dad, I'm going to preach it. And wow. I like to remind him, like, I'm preaching it, Dad, like I am, because mm. I try to make that my life's work of just, like, I'm trusting the maker here. You know, I I could be healed of Tourette syndrome tomorrow. Like, yeah, I could beg God to just tell me the plan for the next 5, 10, 15, 20 years. You know, I could go there if I wanted to or, like, I'm, I'm just choosing to trust him. Mm. I He's not surprised by any of this. And so I'm just choosing to say, okay, Lord, you've put me here for a reason. You're allowing me to walk through this stuff for whatever reason that might be. And I'm just, I always try to remind myself, like, Job went through worse, so at least I ain't Job. So, like, you're allowing me to go through all this stuff. I'm here. I'm present with you, Jesus. I'm just choosing to trust that you have a purpose for all of this, you know, that is so much, much greater than, than what I could plan for myself. to thank Dave and Ann Wilson along with Bob Lapine and their team for another edition of Family Life Today. Although our programs are produced in America, the issues facing families like forgiveness, communication and taking care of our kids transcend national borders. These issues profoundly affect relationships everywhere. In Australia, family life is known as power to change and our mission is to effectively develop godly families the kind of families that change the world one home at a time. A key part of our mission includes strengthening marriages and families all around the world. We want to do whatever we can to bring timeless truths to the challenges you face as you seek to strengthen your family and join us in changing the world. We hope you've been encouraged by what you've heard and we'd love to hear from you. You can email us at radio at powertochange.org.au. Our website is families.powertochange.org.au where you can check out articles and many other resources on marriage and family well-being. We hope you can join us tomorrow at the same time for another Family Life Today.